prison prophets, stories from the heart of the penitentiary. Prison Prophet was recorded inside of SCI Gradesford, a maximum security prison. This means that the men in Gradesford has committed serious crimes. We, the general public, need to confront and dismantle our assumptions about prisoners. All of us can counter these assumptions, and we're going to float the radical notion that each of us has the right to love and be loved, no matter what we've done or what's been done to us. This is an episode about redemption and restorative justice. Let us remember the words of the great Angela Davis. The prison functions ideologically as an abstract site into which undesirables are deposited, relieving us of the responsibility of thinking about the real issues afflicting those communities. Showtime. I did a bad thing, but I'm not a bad man. He would often come to us and he would say, I'm not a singer. I'm not a singer. And so one of the things I really respect about him is that he did sing. Um, and I have to say, your voice, my God, it's beautiful on this platform. Yes. Heck I'm yes. Not, I'm not a singer. I play the horn. No, no, no. You are now, I officially pronounce you a good singer. And you are a hell of a musician, by the way. I'm saying, starting out young, you know. Well, you totally are now. Well, that's the kind of stuff that's what haunts you, you know? Right, of course. Because every day you're reminded, you know, from being there. I mean, it ain't gonna go away when you're in there. Because you every time you walk out that cell, yeah. Then I was gonna say, you're gonna sit in there, you're gonna rot in jail. And you're rotting because you're like, your humanity is being sucked out of you. Because you're, you're invisible in there. 
people see me come block, put my shades on, I'm like, they think I'm crazy. I put my shades on, I got my good time at home. I'm coming down here, I'm gonna do something big today. And I don't care what y'all think. Some people say, okay, okay, old head. <laughs> I said, showtime, I'm gonna go do this. Showtime, right? They looking at me, you got the hair. So, but it's not since I've been here. You know, they had this thing posted on the wall, music program. I always had instruments throughout my life. I never knew how to play. I never knew what a... I had a guitar, but I didn't know a scale. I had a guitar when I was like 12. My mother bought me for Christmas. I didn't know these. I would do something like this. I would find stuff like that. But when I got here, I learned the music program. They showed me how to make scales and all that. Always wishing oh, I could have did this, I could have did that. That's all you do in the cell now. Oh, I could have been this hell of a musician. I tried to go back to Virginia. I was on a bus. They stopped me. Well, anyway, they stopped the bus. They said we got to change food to another bus because the ventilation was bad. And everybody got the bus. I said, oh, this is it right here. This is it. So I smoked me a cigarette. Walked off the bus. They tackled me. And they got me to the... I was in Maryland. I was going to, my mother said, you got to come home first, but you're going back down there. Because I called and told her what happened. You're going back. You have to face this. You know? She said, I knew you were going to, somebody going to kill you or you're going to kill somebody one day when you're drinking. She said, you do real good when you don't drink. You do well, you know? And I don't want to be that she prophesied this and nothing like that, but, you know, in hindsight, it happened under influence of alcohol and drugs. I always was a payday, get high, drink high. I didn't get high when I was working. I don't know why. Payday drunk. Payday drunk, payday drugs. Okay. You know? I can go all week without doing it, even when I was on crack. People didn't they understand it. How you do that? Right. On the weekends, I mean, when you get paid. You, you just binge, too. and the rest of the time you right. get straight yeah, air. But I worked, I worked after that. So I, that's, why I'm, that's why I'm still messed up about why the night in question. It's, I, I, every night when I lay down, I'm like, it's a nightmare. I can't believe I'm in here. This is crazy. And then I see that my childhood came out. Right? And that purpose. <laughs> he, he, didn't, he didn't deserve it. Nobody did. It was really amazing. Blackwell would often come to me during the three years we were there with great urgency. And he would tell me, I've been up all night. And he would have written a song the night before, an entirely new song. And I would have the honor of being the first person to hear it. So he and I would go off into the stairwell, which are these rooms off the auditorium. And they were the only place we could go to get even a modicum of quiet because there were 30 people in the auditorium all playing and singing. And um, we would sit down together, and he would play me this new song. Well, so tonight, I got to... We uh, bunk down at 9, we lock in at uh, 8.45. So I was laying down to watch a movie, and I got this idea... 
and because I was thinking about again getting out when I would get out and being in my, being in my life and everything. And so that's how I came up with this piece. I started around about 9, 15, and I was up all night. When I got done, I looked at the time. It was 4.27 a.m. And then I laid down, and just before I could close my eye, count time, I woke up. So I was up all day. And the reason why I'm writing this is because I still cry. It's accountability. It's about being remorseful. It's about bringing shame to my family and pain to the victim's family. And it's about asking for forgiveness.
Listening to Prison Prophets Stories from the Heart of the Penitentiary. I Still Cry by Blackwell, and he's talking about the night that it happened and his regrets and his crying. And most men, most men, and people will say, I've heard people say, oh, he just regret that he got caught. But that's not the case. Everything about that night. If I could have a do-over, if I could do it again, why? Like the confusion, the what was I thinking, all of that comes into play. And sure, he regrets getting in trouble. That goes without saying. Most men regret. Compassion sets in over the years because not only is his life affected, the victim's lives is affected, the family lives, his life, his family lives, so many lives are affected by a crime that people really feel it. It's never going to end. It feels like in Pennsylvania, if people don't know that life is a life sentence, meaning until you die. It's not like in other states where life is 20 years. It's till you die. So people can be in, be in prison for 30 years still hurting and crying like when will this nightmare end and it will end once they're passed away and once they're on to the next life and again i've heard many nights the hardest men crying physically crying and physically moaning and you know and people have to go over there and console them men hugging men like hey you gonna be all right i would have walked away that night but everything just came out so that's why I feel I believe in Jesus. I believe that his father's name is Jehovah. And when you say, I believe in Jesus and I believe in resurrection, one of the things you're saying is you think you'll meet him again, the victim. If it's up to Jesus, if he resurrect him, John 5, 28, 29, all those in the memorial tombs would come out and hear his voice to a resurrection of righteousness, those who put faith in him before he died, and those would come back of judgment. They're not going to be judged according to what they did before they died because the wages of sin is what? Death. When you come back, Adamic sin, it's, it's done. You're going to come back and be judged according to how you act on that thousand-year reign. That thousand-year reign right here. And you're going to be going to heaven floating on the cloud playing a harp and all that. Like some religious leaders, that's what they do. They mislead people. You're not going to burn in hell if you don't make it. The lake of fire is symbolic. You're just going to be destroyed forever. But I know it's a hope for him to come back. I'm a person to believe in the resurrection. That's on Jesus called on. And anybody else in here who kills somebody. But if you got no hope, you got a lot of guys stand alone. They don't stand with God. They stand alone. So that's why they're bitter and they're miserable. You know, they say, I wish I wouldn't have said now. I just kept my mouth shut. I could I could, I could be on the world right now. And the same thing with me. I didn't, if, I wouldn't have been honest, if I wouldn't have been honest, I wouldn't even be here right now. I still be out there working, but with that conscience, 
I'm not that conscious. So, you know, that's why I'm in here. But the state, but the, but the state, the family, they wanted to see me get the death penalty. I think a lot of it is reclaiming it within themselves. Yes. Giving their, forgiving the, themselves and reclaiming when you are writing music and you're singing and expressing from your heart that you are reclaiming your own goodness, reclaiming that I'm not such a bad person. The things that I'm feeling, that I'm feeling is real. The things that I'm feeling is not what I was feeling that day, that moment. And, you know, and people, a lot of us will beat ourselves up. Why? Why did I do that? What was I thinking? Oh, I can't believe it. And it's hard to forgive yourself for a lot of the things that you've done. And through music, through music, writing it and expressing it, and it's just releasing a lot of anger, a lot of pain, and reclaiming the goodness that's in everybody. And I believe that. I believe that music does it all. And this music isn't written by others and sung by others. These musics are are written and performed by the men. What you hearing is from deep inside. Even to express remorse, to express I need, I want forgiveness. They can't even express it because they're not allowed. They're not allowed. And and again, it's always it's two different tiers: is authority, and then it's us. So you can tell me another prisoner how sorry you are, but I'm in the same situation. I need to tell somebody how sorry I am. So, but I need to get that to out to the world, to the people that even though I may never come out, I still am. Maybe not so much that I'm. I need. I'm looking for forgiveness, but just to express, I'm sorry. I apologize. I have remorse in my heart for the things that I've done, and I can't say that to no one behind the wall. So I can express it through music, and through the music, you can get out to the public. And even if you don't know me, you know that this guy is apologizing and singing from the heart. Thank you, dear listener, for joining this podcast on its maiden voyage. Prison Profits was recorded in SCI Graterford in Montgomery County, Pennsylvania. It's brought to you by Songs in the Key of Free, a nonprofit that believes music can summon us back to our elemental goodness. They do programming in prisons to help summon incarcerated brothers and sisters there. Thank you to our hosts, August Terrier and Warren Smith. Big thank you to Busy Blackwell for contributing so much of his voice to this episode. Thank you to Wrench the Mastermind for hooking up Blackwell's track, I Still Cry. And special thanks to Nick Shan, my very old friend, for mixing this episode. I'm B. Farrow, hoping you be well. Till next time, this is Prison Prophets, songs and stories from the heart of the penitentiary.